some good time in music, boys. Good work. How's everybody doing? Good. It's good to see you today. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. We'll dive into God's word and be out of here before you know it. Amen? All right. God, we love you. We are grateful for today. Um, we do believe that you, uh, you have a word for us this morning. And so, Lord, we pray uh, that our hearts are uh, porous. God, that we're palatable, we're ready to hear from you. Um, and Lord, just invade our space, educate us. And uh, may we leave here with a better understanding of you than we came in with. In your name we pray, amen. Um, hey, I'm excited to teach. I, uh, you know, dad uh, called me up and said, hey, uh, we're gonna be traversing Europe for a few weeks. Do you wanna come up? And uh, he's like, you know, you can just recycle one of your old sermons from existence if you wanna just come up. As a church I used to be a pastor at. And uh, there's this verse that, that I've been wrestling with for the last several months. And it gave me a great uh, reason to just spend some time and dive into it. So today, um, what I'd like to do is just share with you a little bit of my own personal spiritual journey, some things that I'm learning and growing in. And um, if, it's, if it's helpful for you, uh, that's fantastic. If it's not, um, then you know what? I'm not your pastor, and so life will go on. Uh, but I, I think it will be. Um, so, so let me just uh, kind of take you through my own, my own spiritual journey, and, and, I, and I think you'll, you'll benefit from it as well. Um, so I was recently uh, invited by one of my clients out to the, um, the riveting uh, city and state of Columbus, Ohio. Anybody ever? Uh, yeah, it's, it's thrilling, I got to tell you. Um, but my upbringing from uh, kind of preschool to fifth grade was in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, which is just a suburb of Columbus. And anybody uh, nostalgia, touchy-feely, anybody, ladies, us, are we emotional or what? Can I? Uh, so I was excited to go back because I thought, oh man, I'm going to go back and I'm going to visit my childhood home and uh, just kind of remember um, some of those great memories and, and all that fun stuff. And so when I had a little break, I jumped in the car and drove out to Reynoldsburg, and I pulled up in front of the home um, that, that we were kind of raised for the early part of our life. There was a, uh, used to be a big forest, and now it's just track homes. Uh, but I had amazing memories, and I, I began to process um, those memories. And, and I thought, boy, I drove around the neighborhood and I remembered how big that hill used to seem and uh, how big that house used to seem and how long that yard used to seem. And, you know, like anything, as you get older, it's the house was smaller, the hill wasn't as steep, the yard was a lot shorter, uh, but the memories were, were still there. And I, I just thought as I reminisced and, and, and thought about it was, gosh, I could have never imagined um, where life would have taken me. You know, we grew up in a very conservative Southern Baptist little world, and when this little 1,500-square-foot house in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, and um, life was very uh, simple and planned, and um, boy, life just keeps going and going and going. Next, time, next thing you know, you wake up one day and you go, wow, uh, this was nothing like what I thought. How many of you can uh, relate to really nothing in life is as you think it's going to be? You know, you kind of got this, this, this idea planned out about marriage, and hey, it looked a little different than I thought. Uh, kids, careers, life, pleasure, joy, experience, everything just is a little different than you thought. And it's, as you look back at it, you go, that's kind of the mystery of God. It's, life's mysterious, and, and part of that mystery is what makes it so interesting. But as I, as I thought about that, I, 
I wrestled a little bit with, with my relationship with God. And um, one of the things I do freely and I give myself free permission to do is uh, kind of ask disruptive questions about how I feel about God. Uh, you know, I kind of uh, maybe was raised in an environment where um, everything was so absolute and there wasn't a lot of oxygen to wrestle. And um, I've really given myself permission and, as I've gotten older to just to wrestle with some of the things I struggle with with God. And so I'm gonna share some things. Um, again, I'm just gonna kind of lay out some stuff that God's doing in my life, but I, I wanna share with you some thoughts I had as I begin to think about life and how different life turn, is turning out and how different things go. And I wrote some things down because I deeply desire this relationship with God to be intimate and real, but sometimes it's not as easy as you might imagine. So I wrote some things down. The first thing is, um, why is it difficult to have a relationship with God? I wrote this. It's kind of that like, come out, come out wherever you are mentality. Do you ever feel like, God, come out, come out wherever you are. Like, I'm here, I'm ready. Uh, bless me, speak to me, uh, be a part of my life. Where are you, God? Kind of that come out, come out wherever you are. Then there's that, you know, what kind of genie are you? Do you ever kind of feel like, okay, God, I'm doing all the right things. I'm showing up to church. I'm giving my money. I'm going to link class. I'm raising my hands. When it says, oh, I feel like dancing, I dance, you know, so I can send the message to everybody that, like, I'm into it. Like, where are you? Like, I'm doing the right things. You're like, God, you're not the best genie that I've ever rubbed in my entire life. Forget, are you proud of me? God, do you even like me? You ever had one of those things where you're like, I'm not even sure God likes me. Forget all this like proud business. Like, I don't even know that God, did you ever feel like that, like the needy friend with God where you're like, God, do you like me? And you kind of softly, you know, hear the Holy Spirit whisper, no, I don't like you. You're a lot, you're extra. Yeah, you're extra. I... You ever wonder even, do you even dare to allow yourself to entertain the thought, God, are you even real? You know, you're not a bad person to be human. Is this real? Is this all making sense? Is, you kind of get in this relationship with God where you're like, man, I'm, I'm wrestling with like, come out, or why aren't you blessing me, or do you even like me, or gosh, man, if I continue to spiral this thought, are you even real? And what we're really after is we're, we're after this intimate relationship with God. We deeply desire, want to have this like blessed relationship with God. And so what we often do in, in our spiritual lives is we, we hold on to these, what I call bumper sticker Christian verses, uh, Bible verses. You know, these are the ones that we're like, dude, these are money. I claim these. These are my life verses. This is what the Lord has spoke over me. Stuff like this. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord God will be with you wherever you go. And you go, that's my verse. I am strong. I am courageous. The Lord is with me wherever I go. Are most of our favorites Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Can I get an amen? That's a, that's a lot of people's life verse. That's the Lord spoke that over me. He's got a plan to bless me and prosper me. Can I tell you right now that I believe that God wants to prosper you, but it's probably so different than we can ever imagine. You know the Lord wants to make you rich in relationships and rich in joy and rich in satisfaction and rich in hope and rich in self-esteem and rich in value. And he's really not tripping over cash. But we hold on to these verses anyway. The Lord's gonna bless me. And then we got John 1, 2. Yet to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. And that's one of our verses. I'm a child of God. 
2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of God does not make us timid, but a power and self-discipline. And we read these verses and we want all these to be true of our relationship with God, don't we? Don't we want to be in a relationship with God where he's with us anytime, any way? He gives us an amazing future. We're sons and daughters. We have an immense spirit of strength. This is the intimacy that we want with God. Yet sometimes and so often there seems to be a delta between these rich, hopeful verses and the way we actually feel. Now, we don't always get out there and make this known because after all, we're Christians, and things are put together well. But deep down, maybe you're like me. And I'm going to go out on a limb that some of you, a small part of this population is like me, that struggles and fights and wrestles to have intimacy and confidence with our relationship with God. And I think that there's other ways. I think there's more enlightened ways to have intimacy with God than just to randomly be claiming verses and hoping that they come true. Do you ever feel like that? It's kind of like that, like, uh, there's no place like home. There's no place. You're going to prosper me. You're going to make me rich. You're going to make me confident. It's not happening. Like, what is, how does this relationship with God work? So I I discovered this verse that I think um, the Lord really I read it, and I wrestled over it, and at first it really irritated me, so I kept wrestling over it. How many of you know that there's verses that you're just like, that one, I don't like that one. I don't. Have you ever read a Bible verse, and you're like, nah, I don't know how that made it in. <laughs> so there's this really interesting verse that I've been wrestling over, and if you would uh, oblige me, uh, it would be fun to wrestle over it with you. It's uh, Proverbs 25.2, and I discovered this, this verse And I was like, wow, that's interesting. It says this, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So God's word says that it's the glory of God to hide things. And at first I read that, I'm like, why? Isn't this hard enough? Isn't life hard enough? Like God's like, you know what what, what really brings me glory? To hide stuff from you. And you're like, that's not fun. This is not fun. I don't like, and I read this first, I'm like, so Here's, I started to rouse, like, okay, God, I want to understand this, because this, to me, is the most boiled-down relationship with God and man. God says, it's my glory to hide things from you, and it's your glory to search them out. This is how this relationship works. And so I'm like, okay, I want to understand this. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just work this a little bit. The word glory... Is, is, it's the word kavod. Everybody say kavod. And it's a word that has multiple meanings based on its context. So think about it like the word love. Like I say, oh, I love this sport jacket because I like the way it looks and it makes me feel slimming and regal, which is actually why I like it, all right? <laughs> um, if I said I love my wife, you wouldn't go, oh, you love your wife because she makes you feel slimming and regal, because she doesn't. Um, you would understand it's a different context. So if you understand scripture, there's 6,500 Hebrew words in the, New, the Old Testament. And in the English language, there's 170,000 words. So oftentimes in the Hebrew language, you would better understand a word in its context. 
And so whenever the word kavod was used in front of God, it would mean something different than when the word kavod was used in front of man. And so if you actually were to look at a more literal translation, it would look like this. It's the glory of God to conceal things, but it's the honor of kings to search a matter out. So there's two words at play here. There's the word glory and there's the word honor. And somewhere in between this glory and honor relationship exists how we are to function with God. So let's start with God's glory. Let's understand God's glory because the word of God says it's his glory to conceal a matter. How many of you have one or two or more matters in which you would like to resolve with the God of the universe? Maybe it's a business deal, maybe it's a relationship deal, maybe it's a personal self-esteem deal, but maybe there's a matter in which there's something that God has concealed and you would like to deal with God on this matter. And you go, hey, God, it appears to me that this matter is concealed. And God says, what do we have for him, Johnny? I've hidden it from you. <laughs> so what does the word glory mean in context? Well, let me give you some verses that'll help contextualize what glory means when it's related to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things or the kavod things belong to God. So there are secret things, there are hidden things that only belong to God. Job eleven seven. who can fathom the kavod of God? So there's things we can't even fathom. There are mysteries. Romans eleven thirty four. who has the kavod of God, the mind of God, the mysteries of God, all these things, God conceals them and he makes no bones about it. He's very clear. I will, I will assure you, my mind and my mysteries and the things that I have, I am concealing them from you. You don't get those for free. It's an amazing moment in the life of Job when God had allowed him to be afflicted and Job questioned God. He questioned him and he, and as if he had all the answers and God rebuked him back and then Job responded back with this. You asked, this is what God asked, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Job says, surely I spoke of things I did not under, understand, things too wonderful for me to cavode. Job says, when I, def, when I tried to define God, when I tried to assume I understood the mysteries and the kavod of God, such things were too wonderful for me. And this is what I've come to believe. The glory, the kavod of God is really the security of man. And this is what I mean. We need God to be mysterious. We need to have God it's ways that are not our ways. We need him to be infinite and powerful. We need him to have depth beyond our understanding. We need to be not be able to understand God. How scary would it be if your tiny, little, self-indulgent life and mind could fully comprehend God? Wouldn't that be a little scary? You know, I fully understand God's ways. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're not really all that smart. That's scary. It's scary to think that our finite minds could fully comprehend the depth of God. And so one of the things I take the most security in is God goes, here's some really good news. There's no way you could possibly comprehend me. And at first, I'm like, that's so frustrating. And the other hand, I'm like, thank God. 
So God starts off this relationship going, here's what you need to understand. There are things, there are ways, there are mysteries, there are depths, there is texture and context that is so rich and so deep and so wonderful, you could never, ever, ever understand it. And instead of throwing a temper tantrum, anyone? No, just me. Does anybody ever just go, God, this is so frustrating? Why don't you just tell me? Why don't you just make this easy? Why, why, why? And here's what I want you to see, because it brings us right into the next thing. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but it's the honor of a king to search a matter out. And the word honor is also kavod, but this is what it means. It means the burden of responsibility. God's word says it's the glory of God to conceal things, but it's the responsibility of man to search them out. God says that you are responsible to search the deep and mysterious of things of God out. And here's why I think we get in our biggest trouble. So many of us get introduced to God through this amazing word called grace. And grace is this amazing word that says it is a free gift. There's nothing you can do. And God is going to give you this gift and forever you will not be separated from God. And so we assume that every single thing between our relationship with God and us is grace. And guess what? The mysteries of God are not grace. You don't get them for free. You don't just get to show up and go, God, I'm here. I danced. I sang. I gave. Show me your mysteries. No, God's word says that it's the burden of responsibility for man to search out the mysteries of God. Nothing free here. Think about this. You understand it in context. So I look at it and I go, okay, God, if I were to continue to search this word out, what does it look like to responsibly search you out? What does it look like to responsibly search you out? And God's word uses this word kavod in other contexts, and it's really neat. The first one is this, Proverbs 3.9. The first one I'll share, there's many. But it's this, honor or kavod with your first fruits. Honor or kavod God with your first fruits. This is one way that we, we carry the burden of responsibility. If we go, okay, God, I'm in. I get it that the deep, mysterious things of you are not gonna be free. I want the burden of responsibility to search them out. How do I do it? Okay, honor God, the burden of responsibility with your first fruits. Now, in most contexts, we think about money, Right? Oh my gosh, I got my paycheck, here's my first fruits, here's my first tenth. Okay, God, am I good? No, first fruits is everything. So every morning, I start off my morning and I say, um, good morning, God, what are you up to today and how can I help? And so I really, it's like my first fruit moment. I leave while it's still dark out and so it's dark and I pull up and my headlights are out and I go, and right before I leave my driveway, I go, good morning, God. What are you up to today and how can I help? I want to search your mysteries out. And then guess what? I never do it again the rest of the day. And I was thinking as I was studying this, I was like, man, what would it be like if in every single situation, every conversation, every moment, I paused and I said, God, I'm going to give you the first fruits of this conversation. God, what is the mystery in this conversation? 
I'm about to make a business decision. Hold on, what is the mystery in this business decision? I'm about, to, I'm about to reply to my wife or my kids. What is the mystery? What is the kavod? What is the burden of responsibility? What is the first fruits of this moment? Can you imagine if we went through life and every single thing we did, we said, God, what is the, what is the responsible thing in this moment for me to do? I wonder how much more of the mystery of God we might unlock. I don't do this, just to be clear. Yeah, you got it, huh? I just think it'd be cool if I did. I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, if I, this would be a good thing for me to do. I'd do it once every day. And then I honestly, honestly, I'd do it once. I have this really soft heart moment with God in the morning. I'm deeply spiritual and just, mm. and then I get into my day and I'm like, not always very good. I'm not very well behaved the rest of the day. Just me. Everyone's like, oh, you're not? Oh, like you are. I at least do it once. You don't do it at all. No, but I really thought about this. I'm like, man, Josh, what if you constantly, somebody comes up to talk to you and you're like, okay, God, what is the first fruit of this conversation? How can I give you the first fruit of this? This is the burden of responsibility. You're about to make a business decision. You're like, man, God, what would, what would it mean if I were to give you the first fruits of this? I'm about to respond to somebody. What does a first fruit response look like? So uh, honor kavod with your first fruits. Here's a second one. I love this one. Uh, Psalms 19.2. The heavens declare the kavod of God. The heavens declare the kavod, the glory of God. Here's what scripture says. One of the most amazing ways that we can be responsible and we can honor God is through worship. Do you know what I've realized in my life? Um, I... I can spiral into um, consumerism and self either elevation or, 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 or depreciation pretty quick. I don't know if anybody else can do that, but, but I love things and I love to compare myself to you. Anyone else? These are things I love to do. And I say I love it because I do them. So you can't, you know, I love them. It's like, I think about all the time, I'm like, oh man, I really like that. And if I had that, well, that person has it. I'm way cooler and smarter than them. So I need that. Is anybody? No. You don't compare? No, it's, I struggle with it. You, yeah. um, do you know, what, you know what always puts me in context? Worship. And here's why. On earth, when we compare and we consume, we're literally creating ourselves to be a God. Like that's what we're doing because we're elevating ourselves. But when you force yourself to worship the creator of this universe, no matter how rich, no matter how strong, no matter how attractive, no matter how funny you are, you realize very quickly how small you are. And you immediately begin to honor God. And I love this verse because it says, the heavens, the heavens honor God by the declaration of him. And so the ways we begin to unlock the mysteries of God, the first thing we do is we go, God, the first fruit of everything I do is yours. I'm gonna ask you how to do that. The next thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna constantly live in a state of contextualizing how big you are and how small I am. These are ways that you begin to unlock the mysteries of God. The greatest way to, to keep God locked up and you separated is to continue to play the game of you're the most important thing on the planet. Now, here's the thing I want you to hear, and I'm just saying this is us, so we're like, this is just family talk, but 
the majority of our day, we are deeply considering ourselves. I don't like the way that made me feel. What am I gonna eat today? Do I look good in this? How many likes did I get on that? What am I doing tonight? I mean, if you just think about like your, your, the vernacular that you use all day, you're the star, sweetheart. <laughs> you're the star. And one of the greatest ways to never unlock the mysteries of God is for you to be the star. You look at these things, you go, man, what would it be like if, if every single thing I did, I said, God, what's the first fruit? What's the first fruit? What if, what if everything I did, I woke up and I'm like, God, you're the star. God, you're the star. I'm just here, man. I'm just here. And the third one, maybe this is the most practical, easy to understand. It's Deuteronomy 5.16. It's honor or kavod your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you to do. This is the most easy to understand. God simply says this, honor me like a son or daughter would a parent. How many, how many of you that, that maybe have parents or maybe your kids, how many of you ever found like you go up to mom and dad and you go, you know, I just, I really want this. I really, you know, as, as, as a, as a, as a um, American, uh, for me, white privileged, uh, y- you know, uh, Southern California person, God, I really need this if you could. How many of you, if your kids have ever came up and like, I really need this. And, and if you really love me, and have you ever found yourself being like, God, I thought you would never, ever, ever be, your selfishness just warms my heart. <laughs> I mean, honestly, your mom and I were talking and we've just really been praying. And we, God, please help our child to be more self-absorbed. Because if, she, if he or she would just be more self-absorbed, we would just want to give them everything. We've really been praying about this. We've really been praying about, like, if the only thing you could think about is what you could get out of life, it would just make us want to, like, drain our retirement account for you. And finally, you came to us as we've been praying, and you were the most selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered person ever, and our hearts are so soft towards you. We want to unlock the mysteries of our wealth for you. And we wonder why God's mysteries are locked. You know, God, I just, I really want this. God, if you could just really do this, I would do this. And if you could do this, and God's just like, man, this is so boring. Do you ever wonder if God's like, after like tens of thousands of years of the same type person, if God ever just gets bored? Here's another one. Wants to make a deal. Got an, and, they, and they got a new deal that no one's ever said before. No, see, God's word says if you want to honor God, you do it with your first fruits, you do it with worship, you do it by respecting God as a father. I wonder what it would be like if we did that. I wonder what it would be like if we chose that. The other day, my, I was traveling, I was gone for like 10 days, and I was, I was just excited to get home. And one of my clients, it's a university, and they brought me to their gift store and bought me all this swag for my kids. And, and I was so excited to get home and, and give it to them. And I, I pulled it out of my bag, and I was exhausted. I'd been in Atlanta, Arkansas, uh, Arizona, and finally got back and gave them their stuff. And they put the shirt on. They're like, this is too big for me. And they took it off and threw it on the ground. And they walked off. And my wife was sitting there. And fortunately, I wasn't feeling, you know, overly dramatic. I was like, that wasn't nice. Like, I didn't do that. But I was thinking it. I was like, man, you guys suck at life. 
I mean, honestly, like the least you could do is be like, thanks, Dad, and then walk out there and throw it on the ground. But like, you just threw it right in front of me. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I don't even know why I buy stuff. I, and I, I have really good boys, so I didn't say anything, but I just was kind of like, what a bunch of turds. <laughs> you know, a couple days later, I took my oldest son to basketball practice, and we were doing basketball, and then we were driving home, and he's like, Dad, I just want you to know, like, it really means a lot to me, you know, when you come to my basketball practices. And I was like, <laughs> like, there's this amazing thing. It was like, there, it was just this moment where he like honored me. He honored my time. He honored my investment. He honored me as a dad. And those two moments when I walk away and I'm like, dude, I don't even know why I do things and you're a turd or whatever word you guys use or I use um, versus like that, that heart softening. And I wonder if, if you were honest with yourself, the glory, the mysteriousness of God, he hides that. You don't get it for free. You, you get, you get, uh, you, you get uh, fire insurance or whatever you believe. I mean, you, you're not, you get that relationship with God. He's got you covered. It's kind of like, you know, when my, you know, your parents are like, you know, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to help you get a car, but, but insurance and gas, it's on your own. Okay? You don't get it all for free. I'll get you started. It's almost like that. God, I'll get you started. I'll make sure that forever you can approach me. That's, that's on the house. You want my mystery? You want the mysteriousness of me? You want the wonder of me? You want the depth of me? You need to learn the word honor. And the thing about honor is it has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. There's a beautiful story in the Bible that really depicts this. And Moses is with God, and, and, and he's deeply longing for the depth of God. He wants to see and experience the depth of God. Exodus 33, 18 through 23. I'm going to read this. We'll just unpack it a little bit in our last 10 minutes here. It says this. Then Moses said, now show me your kavod. Moses is sitting there with God. He goes, God, show me your depth. Show me your mysteriousness. Show me your wonder. I want to see all of you. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face and surely live. You cannot see my kavod in real time and live. There's no way in real time you can see the future and the mysteriousness of me and actually still live. You can't handle what you're asking for. God, show me my future. God, make everything make sense to me. God, and God says, you can't do it. Just like when I went back to that little house in Reynoldsburg, if God would have ever said, hey, little boy, someday you're gonna travel the world and own software companies and do this and do that. And I go, God, it's too wonderful for me. I can't even comprehend what you're possibly gonna do in my life. And can you even imagine that maybe there is a future that is so beautiful and so elegant and so amazing that you can't even comprehend it? That if you said, God, show it to me, said, you couldn't even live right if I showed you this. But here's the thing you also have to understand. That mystery is locked unless you're obedient. And so scripture says this, I love this. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you can stand on a rock. And I just love the thought of that, that you know where God really wants you to be is just right here near him. 
standing on the rock, saying, come near. I want you to know that there's nothing that God wants more than, than for you to be near him. But he's not interested in you being near him as a selfish jerk. No more so are than you are when your kids are being little turds and they run around. And you're just like, dude, give me some space, all right? I don't like your attitude. I don't like the way you're approaching life. It's, it's unattractive to me. Don't think for a second that it's attractive to God to be that way. But God's like, I want you near. I want you exploring. I want it close. And then he says this, and this is where I want you to understand that how God works as best I understand. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. This is so crazy. God's literally saying, when you get near me and I get ready to move, you won't even see it. I won't even let you see it. You won't even know when God's moving. He's gonna hide you from that. God, are you moving yet? I can't see anything because I've covered you and I'm coming in for you. And then he says this. This is what I love about God because God is such a dad. He says this. I will put you in a cleft and I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. That word back is the word akar, which means this, until now. God says this, I will show you everything I've done up until now so that you can trust me. This is what God says. I'm gonna get you really close to me. And when I get ready to move, I'm gonna cover you so you don't even see me moving. But what I am gonna always show you, what I promise I'll always remind you of and show you is every single thing I've done to be faithful to you up until this point. And guess what? That's what you get. You get to make the decision if you're gonna trust my faithfulness up until this point and now become obedient and start to unlock my mysteries or if everything I've done up to this point isn't good enough for you and you choose to be disobedient and self-serving and self-reliant, then you will never unlock the mysteries of me. And I look and I wrestle over this and I go, you know what, God? This makes sense to me. I don't like it. I'd rather be really simple. I'd rather be like that grace thing where I don't have to do anything. I even like those verses like there's nothing you can do. How about one of those, there's nothing you can do to be blessed by God? It's not good theology. It's not true. It's the glory of God to conceal the matters that you're interested in. It's the obedience of man to search them out. I love this last verse I want to share with you in Deuteronomy 30, 16. This is so great. For I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in kavod. I command you to walk in kavod and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. And then what does it say? That was me asking you a question. Then what does it say? Come on, guys. I'm not gonna do everything for you. Let's try this again. That was terrible. Not one of you were paying attention. For I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in obedience, the kavod, and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then, everybody, then, then, I was just trying to get one word, then. 
I want you to know something. God is not a cheap date. God's not a cheap date. God's not a promiscuous God. Many, 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 many of you and me's will come and go. Generations and generations and generations will come after us, most likely, of people just like me and you that want a bunch out of life, that are scared to death, that are trying to figure things out. And they will all, we will all approach God. And 99% of us will say, hey, God, let's make a deal. You know what God will say? I don't make deals. I give free gifts and I respond to obedience. And the free gift is your salvation and everything else is obedience. That's how this is gonna work. And if you do that, then, look what it says. If you do that, then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. Then God will do that. Would you stand with me? And here's what I want you to consider during this last song. There's this notion that when we become adults, that like this word obedience is no longer a part of our life. But I just want you to know that, that there's not a person in this room that doesn't have something in their life in which they're being disobedient with. But here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider approaching your disobedience not with shame and embarrassment. See, God's word says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, amen? God's word says we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. God's word says that there's no shame in your disobedience. There's nothing you need to be ashamed about. That's why we have the cross. So listen, you don't need to be proud of your disobedience, but you don't need to be ashamed of it because it's already been paid for. So it allows you to approach your disobedience and go, God, I need to be more obedient in my first fruits. I need to be more obedient in my getting rid of my God complex and, and worshiping. God, I need to get more, more obedient in treating you like a father and me as a son and daughter. God, I need to, there's some obedience areas in your life that I just pray. I pray the same thing for you that I pray for me. I pray that I can boldly approach my disobedience so that I can get it out of the way and I can discover the mysteries of God. So during this song, here's what I encourage you to do. Identify, ask the Holy Spirit to whisper to you, what are the areas of your life in which you need to get out of the way so you can unlock the mysteries of God, amen? Do that during this last song. Allow that to be a part of your day.